the process this morning of settling our minds into our bodies, creating the conditions for a calm abiding and focus and a capacity to gently, lovingly, interestedly open to the whole range of experience. We call, sometimes call this equal opportunity, mindfulness, everything is equal in its capacity to help um, orient us to the present time, to uh, brighten our awareness, to awaken us to the nature of how a range of experiences comes and goes effortlessly in awareness. And our job, you could say, is to put our complete trust in the capacity to notice. And the good news, as we've been saying, is that this noticing is intrinsic to our nature. If I asked you right now to stop noticing, you would see that this awareness, noticing, just rises right to the surface. It's there. So right now, notice or be aware of your sitting body. The sitting body is a marvelous anchor to this unfolding present because it's always here. So moving beyond the idea of our body to that felt experience again, we feel the contact of our rear on the cushion until we only feel we, don't, we no longer feel cushion or rear end, we feel sensation, heaviness, hardness, vibration. And the same with the touch points of our hands and our lips, our eyelids, until it's just sensations being noticed effortlessly in awareness. and the sensations of the whole body, vibration, aliveness, particular areas of tension. And then quite naturally, being available to the sensations that arise with each breath. And it's interesting how when attention is drawn to the breath, there is a tendency to begin to direct it. But as much as possible, we want to, in bringing attention to the breath, let the breath breathe itself. Let the body breathe. Just receive the sensations that emerge with each successive breath. And gently, in that open receptivity, gently connecting with the beginning, through the middle, through the duration of the in-breath as it emerges. So sustaining through the duration of the breath, connecting and sustaining through the duration of the out-breath, whether it's a short breath, a long breath, a rough breath, a smooth breath, deep or shallow, 
We don't try to orchestrate any particular kind of breath, we just notice. And we sometimes notice that there is a space between the breaths, after the out-breath, before the next in-breath. There's sometimes a gap, and it's often in this gap that our attention drifts into fantasy. We lose contact with what's here and now. So we try to sustain our awareness even through whatever space there might be between the breaths by either just resting, feeling our whole body in that space, finding some point in our body, a touch point that we can rest our attention on in the space between the breaths, or simply noticing that openness and just letting ourselves fall into that space with full awareness until the next breath emerges and calls our attention again. Now some of you may not notice any gaps between the breaths, and that's fine. We just continue to use this tool of body and breath to create steadiness and to harmonize our mind and body brighten our mind. And inevitably, there will be other sensations that from time to time that will become stronger than the sensations of breathing, will fill fill our mind, will be drawn to them, some of them exceedingly pleasurable, some of them really unpleasant. We can even notice that little valence of, oh, this is pleasant, and take delight in it. But we can also notice when something is unpleasant and take an interest in it. Take an interest in being able to feel an unpleasant experience and have our mind be balanced and easeful, non-reactive. And there's often a pleasure that comes with non-reaction being able to sit with something and not suffer. But as we open to what might be an unpleasant experience of the body, we feel its different qualities. That's another way that we begin to alter our usual reactivity and transform it into interest, into attention is we feel the quality. Is it aching? Is it burning? Is it stabbing? Is it itching? Is it tingling? Searing? Squeezing? Is it cool? Warm? Hot? We feel that quality. If you have to think about what it is, don't bother. Just feel its quality. And that not only do we recognize the quality of feeling that may be presenting itself and let ourselves feel it. But we also notice what happens to it. We notice its nature, its changing nature, its selfless nature, how it happens all by itself. And when that sensation is no longer predominant or compelling or has faded away, And in the service of remaining anchored in this 
unfolding present, we connect again with our simple experience of our body and our breath. But we are just as welcoming of the other predominant sensations as we are of the breath. Everything is met graciously. That also includes the different sounds that may arise and become stronger than the breath. We graciously receive and acknowledge the fact that hearing is occurring. We don't get involved in what the particular content of thought is, a bird or a turkey. But simply notice hearing and the process of hearing what happens to the sound when it's heard. We can also notice whether a sound is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. But when that sound fades, no longer compelling, can we anchor our attention in our body. As we've also been reminding you, there will likely be different states of the heart, states of the mind that become stronger than the breath. We also include those graciously in our awareness. Could be strong moods, sad or happy or joyful, easeful, agitated, restless, worried. Any of these states that become stronger than the breath, we acknowledge them. We sense, oh, this is what worry is felt like, is experienced as. There's often a physical, there's often a little narrative that comes with different states of mind or moods. But we expand beyond whatever the story is that may be associated with that feeling. and We let ourselves feel it. Try to meet it with kindness. Even if it's a strong emotion like grief, we expand beyond the story of grief. We're great at thinking about our feelings, not so good at feeling them. We just feel it as the particular weather of the moment. We let grief roll through our consciousness, through our body, there's often that felt sense, like weather. And as the weather changes, becomes less predominant, compelling, passes away, we make ourselves available again to the next arising breath. Some very common mental states that you will notice that often come accompanied with stories or our desires, the wanting, we want to feel that wanting. Not get involved too much in the content of our wanting, but feel. What does it feel like to, to desire? You'll notice ill will or aversion, irritation. We want to feel that. It'll often be a story of what your neighbor is doing, making too much noise. Instead of getting caught up in the content of our reactivity, we feel it. We put everything to good use. We let everything remind us of our love of being right where we are. 
We may feel doubt. We may have a little story, I can't do this. Everyone else is getting enlightened except me. But we expand beyond that story and feel that quality of doubt. Let it guide us here, now. And recognize that all of these states, moods, emotions, are changing conditions like weather. They arise unbidden, they float through our body and mind, they pass away, leaving no trace in awareness. We simply settle back one half inch and receive the flow of experience without judgment, without reaction, everything welcome in this open field of awareness. In the meantime, just this moment, just this breath, or whatever it is that's predominant. Everything is changing. Be with that. Just this moment. If you've drifted into fantasy or wandering mind, if you notice that, that means you've already reawakened. You're already here. And just in behalf of staying here, we anchor our attention again in our body. So it's always good news when you realize that your attention has drifted because you've already come back but it's a great opportunity to settle your mind back into your body at that moment. And then we remain undistracted, available to what's presenting itself, as long as that lasts, without strain or tension, soft mind, kind, alert, gentle, 
yet precise, intimately feeling the texture of this moment.
if you notice that there's strain or struggle, you're falling into a dull stupor, first to try to acknowledge this with some acceptance and then feel free to mindfully, deliberately refresh yourself and begin again. The beauty of practice is every moment is a new beginning. You can always begin again. Past is gone, future unborn. It's just this. Kind attention to whatever it is that's presenting itself. mirror-like field of awareness.
So perhaps you're getting already that even though we start with a, a gentle emphasis on anchoring our attention in our body and our breath, it's really in the service of being able to notice everything equally and to ba- essentially go where the action is, what's predominant in any moment, and to use each experience as that which enhances our understanding and our awareness and uh, let it, letting everything call us here. But sometimes both with strong physical sensations and different moods and mental states, the experience that we're having is too hard to bear. It's just too, we're noticing, we get very reactive to painful sensations sometimes and become so reactive that we're not able to just sit with that experience and notice its changing nature with balance and ease. And so sometimes in order to regain our composure, the capacity to be with things, it may be necessary to make a slight alteration in our posture. It's not cheating. Uh, And if you do need to change your posture, to try to do it very deliberately, very mindfully, so there's no break in the continuity of your awareness, even if your posture is changing. That's one of the ways that we can refresh ourselves. But the idea is to do it all mindfully, not reactively. And then other times, even though we can maintain a posture, something is, we're so reactive that we can't really... We can't, um, our reactivity has gotten so much stronger than the whatever experiences that uh, we may have um, started to notice. And so we can, if we can turn toward the feeling of being reactive, sometimes that softens our attitude a little bit and then we can accommodate the experience. But sometimes we may have to shift our attention to something that we can accommodate more easily. Again, that's not cheating either. Even though we encourage you to be with what's predominant, sometimes if there's an intense pain in the body, sometimes you may want to shift to some part of your body that is not in a state of pain, some place that you can find some ease and balance. And then maybe go back to that place that was painful. And you'll notice, perhaps, that when you return to that place that was painful, partly because your attitude has softened, you can accommodate that more easily. The same with strong moods. Sometimes intense emotions come and we don't feel like we have the capacity to be with them. Feel them, we start to tighten up. Sometimes at those times it can be uh, useful to consciously direct our attention to something that we can accommodate more easily. Some sensation in our body, just our hands touching or rear end, uh, just something that you can feel. Just hover there for a little bit, relax, and then Come back and visit, see if that emotion is still present. But uh, the key is, is not to go unconscious, not to check out, not to disassociate, but to stay conscious even though we may be needing to move our attention somewhere else momentarily, but to stay mindful. Any questions this morning about anything happening in your practice, anything about the instructions? Anything about settling into the retreat and the retreat culture, please. I noticed that yesterday there was a lot of emphasis on sleepiness. Yesterday an emphasis on sleepiness, yes. And I wasn't sure if maybe that word was a conflation of two experiences that are distinct. I know that there can be like a torpor or something when you're sitting in that dullness you talked about. Yes. But then there's also like... um, Exhaustion, physical exhaustion. Yes. I know that yesterday can be experienced the latter. Yes. And I had 
had to, at one point, leave and take like an emergency nap. It was like an emergency nap. Emergency nap was, was needed. <laughs> a nap. And then I was... Refreshed. Yeah, because I know the mind builds up like waste product when it's really, truly sleep deprived. And it doesn't, it's, it do, you start to go under. And I just, I found your suggestions, Deborah, Deborah, right? really helpful, even though I think I was dealing with maybe not what you were talking about. Um, keeping the eyes partially open. Um, I didn't stand, but it felt like a good option. Um, so that was helpful, but I also felt like there was like the conflation of the two concepts. Yeah, the conflation of torpor, dull state of mind versus profound sleepiness or, or sleep deprivation or exhaustion. And part of the practice is for us to, uh, to clarify for ourselves what, is, what it actually is. The first, we lean toward just checking it out as a state of mind. But if you keep applying antidotes, you keep trying to accommodate it and, and uh, treat it as another, another state of mind, and you just keep falling on your face, the intelligence of awareness will tell you that it's time to take a nap. And so it's it's totally fine and and often people will realize that is one of the first insights is that we are deeply exhausted and again I don't want that to be a hypnotic induction because it's worth checking out uh, you know what what is this torpor is this just the imbalance between energy and tranquility let's I talked about yesterday when we have high tranquility when we things are quiet but there's not a lot of energy dullness when the, the opposite, or is this tiredness? Yeah, great question, and you have to clarify it yourself. Please, in the very back. I noticed that um, my sense of time has changed. Yes, its sense of time has changed yesterday, a long day. Yeah, exactly. They says sometimes the bell rings instantaneously, and sometimes it's uh, you're waiting endlessly. So sometimes, they, depending on our mental state, time appears long or short. If we're experiencing an unpleasant state, even the state of waiting or wanting, time seems t- seems to elongate. When we're not thinking in terms of, uh, when something is pleasant, time goes very quickly. I mean, so it can be, so you can check out the, at that time that the time seems really long, check out your mental state. Just let yourself feel that. And usually there's something unpleasant presenting itself that, that you would rather not, um, not have to experience. So it's often dependent on on the feeling tone of what's happening, and we can explore that. And we get to see in, when we practice how time really is so relative to our perception. And that in some way, when in real, in real time, right here, we can't even find any time, short or long. We're, things are just an unfolding present. But yet our view, it's like a, a way of viewing life changes uh, all the time, depending on what's happening. So it's, you just gave a beautiful description of the relativity of time. So. 
It's very natural. Please, Diana. Incredibly lethargic, hard to pay attention to it. You've done the nap. So you're noticing the attitude, the aversion toward it. Okay. Go home? No. (laughs) Have you stood up? (laughs) So, so my recommendation and it would be to um, extend your walking periods do an hour of walking, even if you drift in very mindfully into the hall late. And in general, I don't encourage, I like people to be on time for the sitting, and, and we try to as much as we can as well. But be on time and stay till the end, but, and not to come in more than five or ten minutes, five minutes after the beginning of the sitting. But in your case, I would say do a longer walking. And perhaps even do a... Um, yeah, doing a run can be can be useful. It can also exact. It can also exacerbate the, the sense of dullness when you sit. So doing something that is both energizing and and steadying and quieting and helps build vital energy. So I, if you're a, a daily runner, it's hard to go cold turkey. And so you want to respect that on one hand, but. I would at least try to employ a little bit less um, dramatic expansion of energy and see what happens. I've got to um, move around to people who haven't. Please. So you know you're breathing, but you don't actually feel it. No, we we would really li- we would really like you to be able to thank you. We'd really like you to be able to feel your experience, to have your mind and body come together. And it is sometimes it's an insight that many people have on retreat, 
where they, they can't feel their body so well. And that tendency is to be much more clear about the, the thoughts in the mind or the images in the mind and, and less that felt sense. And so it, part of the settling into this kind of practice is an experimentation to where it is in your body, how it is that you know that you're breathing. Because you, do, you wouldn't actually know you're breathing unless you were feeling it in some way. So it may be an experiment of, of sensing where it seems most clear. At the belly, do you feel it at all? Any just gentle rise and fall, do you f- can you feel that? Chest, is it the whole body pulsing? Just a little expansion and contraction. So it's dr- at least initially drawing our attention a little closer to just sense. Is there a way that I can feel the breath in the body? And if you're not able to feel it at all, what I would do, at least for a few moments, is to let go of the breath as your primary anchor and just feel the whole sitting body sitting. And then, so as to feel that sense of a rhythm of of alternation, you would sense sitting and then find some touch point. So your rear end, let's say, or your hands. So it would be the sense of sitting and then touching. And then once you've really registered those sensations, you would go back to sitting and touching. Usually after you've settled in that way of just feeling sitting, just feeling touching, often the breath will emerge and you'll feel it more clearly. And at that time you can then start to connect with it. But don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, just stay in the words of it. Yeah, you can also put your hand on your belly or your, or your chest. Uh, so, but it's a, it's, just so you know, it's not uncommon to have that experience. So we do have to make a little transition here. We have some announcements this morning. And we are beginning uh, scheduled group meetings with with uh, all of you, but half of you today, half of you tomorrow. And just to let you know that these, this may sound kind of hard in a way, but uh, these meetings are not optional. We have, there are very few things that you, we ask you to do here. It feels like it's our responsibility to check in with you. It's your responsibility to check in with us so that we're just not drifting here and there and everywhere. We really, w- and partly we, w- we love you and want to track you <laughs> and want to be as much support as we can. So please come to your group meetings. Again, half of you will be scheduled today. Half will be scheduled tomorrow. And um, I will be in, well, Deborah will be in room one, which is the room next to the restrooms. I'll be in room two, which is next to that. James will be in the council house where you registered. And you don't need to be prepared. Uh, we'll, it's, a, it's really just a check-in to have practice-oriented conversations together. So, and Ramona has some announcements, and then we'll hopefully have a great day of practice, another beautiful day and great opportunity. Oh, also, in case you didn't notice, Jane has some sign-up slots on the same bulletin board as the, where the group meetings are posted. So if you need some extra... Oh, they're full today. Okay. We will have those every day, though.
You tell me when. Good morning. Um, I have some gentle reminders. Um, basically, these are reminders to um, help all of us to be able to support each other in the retreat container so that we can all be comfortable um, and be deeply held as we practice. So um, just a reminder that this is a sacred space and that each of your spaces are sacred and there are things that we can do to protect the space of ourselves while we are here practicing as well as the space of all beings on the land. So with that said, uh, the fire marshal says, <laughs> we have to keep our aisles clear. So this main aisle is, is great, but the side aisles tend to be clogged, and they are that way. So as you transition to your meetings, if you, would, if you are uh, one of the participants sitting in the aisle, please scooch in or out so that there is about a three, um, you know, three feet of space. That's for safety. And uh, the staff section, even though it's been sparse, we do need to keep that there because all Spirit Rock staff are invited to come and attend at any time. And we, would, we want those spaces to be honored so that if a staff member should decide to come at any time, that they can enter the room without being disruptive and find a place to sit. And same to this side over here is usually it tends to be more on the teaching stage level, so it's, I just put some reserved signs there for that space to just, it kind of falls on the, this line here. So, you know, we usually have special guests or somebody in that area. If you do need assistance, uh, getting more comfortable or needing more support in your space, let one of the managers know. We'll be glad to do what we can or make exceptions if we need to. Um... Also related to the room, it would be great if you use the cubby and the um, coat room for your large bags and backpacks because they can also clutter the space in here and um, they're also distracting. So if you could use the spaces outside for that and in that way maybe more people can fit where we need them to fit. And a, remi a gentle reminder that yoga practice and stretching, unless you're in the mindful movement class in here, um, the only other places that you can do that are in your room if it's quiet and the lower walking hall has a place for walking as well as a designated yoga area and you can use the upper walking hall for yoga and stretching as long as it's not a walking period so when it's a walking period the walking hall upstairs is uh, for walking um the phones on the first floor, I'm not sure if we said this on opening night, but the phones in your dorms are not working for 911. So please, if there's an emergency, do come to the manager's office and use the phone to call 911 if you need that, if we're not available. And uh, notes. That's the way that we as managers communicate with you and you communicate with us. If you don't sign your note, we're not able to communicate back to you if it is a specific problem. So be sure to give, put your first name in your last initial. And also please do check the Yogi board, which is that board where the schedule is, for your notes. There's some notes up there that have been sitting for a while. And um, yeah, 
that's that's it. Thank you very much for your practice. Question? Is that a question for me or you? Just. Oh. Um, You. That was one of my notes here. I was like, in the spirit of generosity and abundance, please return unused cushions, backpacks, etc., to the back of the hall so that others can have access. Thank you for reminding me to say that. Yeah. There's a there's a couple up here that uh, that we can we can let go of if if you need a cushion. Okay. Great, Great vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't you put them in the back? Yeah. Okay. So. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.